Growing Up Iruni interview with Kayvon Zand. This is Leila Shams, host of Chai and Conversation. Kayvon Zand is a nightlife personality and musician living in New York City and goes by the pronouns he or they. I've been a fan for years and love their extravagant and very extra style. In the past year, Kayvon has been turning their attention to Iranians in Iran and holding live discussions with them about a variety of topics, most notably how life is like for members of the LGBTQ community in Iran. I sit in on them every once in a while, and the discussions are often quite fascinating. Since the beginning of the Zan Zendigi Azadi movement also, Kayvon has been really vocal in connecting this movement with the cause of queer rights in Iran, and showing how they are inextricably linked. I will say this was the longest interview I've done because I both love talking to Kayvon and hearing his perspective, and because I had so many questions about his relationship to Iranian culture, the language but also about the history of the LGBTQ plus community in Iran and how things have changed and how they haven't. Anyhow, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. There is quite a bit of spilling of chai in it. Enjoy! Kayvon Zan, thank you so much for talking with me today. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, it's really great to be here. I'm excited to spill some tea. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, I, we can talk about everything, whatever you're comfortable with talking yes. about. I'm super excited to talk to you. I've been following you for a long time. I came across mm-hmm. your work and I absolutely loved everything that you do. I love your energy. I love your personality, oh, you. everything, everything about it. And <laughs> and I sent you a message that I'd sent you a few years ago about you getting me interested in the Zen dynasty. So after I first learned about you, I started mm-hmm. looking it up. And so I'm I'm really curious to hear about your upbringing, about your knowledge of the Zen dynasty, like how that plays into your life. But first, tell me a little bit about you. Introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, well, my name is Kayvon Zand. I am Iranian-American. My pronouns are he, they. I consider myself non-binary. And I say that with eftikhar because I think I'm just really grateful, especially when you see what's happening in Iran now, that I have the privilege to say I am who I am you know, without any fear and just very proud. So I'm non-binary, he, they. I have three children. My partner is American and I grew up in North Carolina. So I'm like a Persian redneck, (laughs) you know, they kind of grew, they grew up talking like this, you know, now I have this beautiful, like neutral, like accent. So (laughs) I, yeah, I've lived in the North now for like 16 years most of that time has been in New York City, but a few years ago, I bought a house in Jersey City, which is like across the river. So technically now, I have to add New Jersey into my like bio. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, yeah, so- and I'm an artist, and you know, I, I love to make music. I, I love to do anything creative, thought provocative, and I like the push buttons as well as, you know, remove buttons and add prettier buttons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. So I've yeah. read that you grew up with your mother, so you don't have, you still yeah. don't have a relationship with your father? Well, I, I think now I can say I have a relationship with my father. It's not the relationship that I was looking for, which is not much of a relationship at all. I think growing up with my mother definitely was interesting because I, I didn't grow up in one of those houses where like, 
you know, the parents were together and then they got separated. And then I was like, you know, with mom or dad to where like, I felt like I was losing something I had because I never had it. But I think when I got older and I had the confidence to approach my father and to kind of see that he was distant because he really didn't want to be a part of my life. You know, that was, that was really hard for me, but I needed to get past that to start my own family. And that was kind of what I was setting myself up for was success. I, I, I do believe in reparenting, but I, I don't want to like be that parent who like brings generational trauma into my home. So I, I really tried to do as much like, you know, problem solving and healing on my own. So yeah, I, I have, when I have a relationship, I, I, we don't speak, but the relationship we had was just very, I'm not interested. Your half siblings are not interested. Just you stay there. We'll stay here. And they're both Iranian, your parents. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I actually have a very similar, I uh, didn't have a relationship with my father either. My parents got separated when I was the same. I didn't really know him. And he was in London. I didn't know I had half siblings until I was like 18 or so. Um, oh my God. Yeah, so it's very similar. And I actually came up to New York a few months ago to see the play. It was the one after English. I can't remember the name of it now, but Sonas to see play. And afterwards, when oh I- yes, I saw that one too. That was beautiful. The um about the wedding and they got married. Yes. And like- yeah, Nazani Noor was in it. Yeah. Yes, I can't remember the name, but but yeah, I, we went out to get drinks with Nazani Noor afterwards, and she left early. But everybody else who was there, we started telling tales of our Persian father, <laughs> and it was oh all <laughs> stories like this, where it was like all these uh, like unknown siblings By all the way, around. That sounds like a horror film. Tales of my Persian. Remember tales from the crypt. Tales of my Persian father. Exactly. Well, that <laughs> night I was like, I'm starting a new po- podcast series. So I have raising Nimrunis. I have growing up Iruni, and I'm also going to have tales of my Persian father. Oh so, my God. so we're not alone. Everybody has these kind of stories, and I think like I, I do think it kind of is about the generational trauma of that. Of you know, there was so much chaos leaving Iran and and all these things that happened. I think that we can all get together and kind of tell these tales. They're very similar. So I read that and I was like, oh, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, um, it's really even crazier than just this little conversation. Um, The situation with my father, I I think it actually surpasses like the Iranian stereotype. You know, it's a lot more scandalous. It's very like, you know, uh, a scandal. I mean, it was (laughs) like, I was the secret basically in the town that I grew up in. My father is a very prominent, wealthy, successful man. And well, my mom is successful in her own right, being a single mother, you know, also, you know, being able to raise a family comfortably. But with that said, like, even when I approached my dad, it was like, sign this, sign that. You were not entitled to this. You're not entitled to this. I was like, that's fine. Like, you know, I'm not here looking for coin. I can make my own coin. Thank you very much. But it, it really became this like, scandal of like and i knew my half siblings growing up they just said i was related to them but i knew as a kid and i was hiding it. i was oh sitting oh my on goodness it. in yeah, north so carolina was, were you all in, in north the same carolina <gasps> yeah wilmington wow. north carolina honey no yes wow so it and was just are really, they are they half iranian or full iranian too they they are half iranian their mother is american oh my yeah. goodness okay this is very juicy it's very juicy, girl. I mean, if you if anybody's looking to make a sitcom, honey, hit me up. You know, let's yeah. let's turn this around. <laughs> no, but let's make a little coin off of it. No, I say that about my family too. I mean, I have a half French brother who's two months older than me, and oh. so that's that's the story. But also, I do feel like 
you're saying it goes kind of beyond the Iranian like generational trauma thing. But I mean, my grandmother had stories like this. They had all these half, you know, in Iran, men can marry more than one woman. So there's yeah. all these stories like going generations back where it's like all these kids here, all these kids here. They don't like those because they're less than like half siblings and they don't like them. And, you know, there's all these feuds. I feel like it's it's in our it's in our DNA in a way. It is. And my, my dad is a surgeon. My mom is in the medical field, too. She has a doctor and PhD. But I say this because my mom had breast cancer. And one of the weirdest moments in this which really is like a soap opera is when my mom had her breast removed, my father did the operation. And I'm going there, like as this teenager, looking at this guy who I know is my dad, but we don't talk about it. I know you're about to remove my mother's breasts. Wow. And it's just like, it's just like so much weird shit. Like, you know, he was like my mom's doctor for a very long time. My grandparents. So it, it's complicated because I know he like saved my grandfather's life too, which is weird. I don't know. It's just, it's wow. like, and when I met with him, he treated me like, he wanted to treat me like a patient. He really wanted to put me in that box. I think that's how he knows how to relate to people like so many Iranians. Right. And like, I'm just like such a like, I don't want to say real because that's, that's not even a real thing to say. We all have moments where we put on our guards and all that. So I'm not going to even use the word real. I think I'm a very rock person for Iranian standards. So I was like, let's cut to the T, let's go right to it. And it was just very much like, oh, well, you know, the reason I'm meeting with you is so I can tell you like you're at, you're susceptible for these diseases, heart disease, yada, yada. Make sure you get your like your, your colon checked or like, you know, get a pat where I think they stick that thing up your ass or something. What is it called? The colonoscopy. Like, like, this is what we've been waiting for. Like, this is, this is what we're talking about. So yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, all of that, like, and I think this is also generational too. It might be like a, a boomer thing, but it's like, it, it's like, I think we're just wanting truths. We're wanting the like, we're, we're growing up with all these ochdes of like having to hide everything and live for maradon. And yes. like, we really paid the price for it. So we're trying to create a different path. And yeah, it's it's definitely been interesting. And I, I always try to take humor away from sadness because that's my coping mechanism. Because like, what am I going to do? Just sit around and like boo-hoo-hoo. It's like, it is what it is. So were you an only child and did your mother ever remarry? Oh. oh, no, girl. <coughs> <coughs> That's when you know it's good when you're. <laughs> it gets juicier. So my mom like is equally at fault with all of this, and I love my mother, but I, I can I have to admit her faults to have a real con- have a real relationship with her. <coughs> but she decided when because so she said she wanted to have me. And my dad said no, I want to finish my residency. Yada yada yada. My mom's like, fine, I'm keeping this kid. I don't know. Maybe she was trying to trap him. I hate to say that, but I know that's a thing. I don't know what she was trying to do. I don't know why she did this, but she decided to keep me. I'm glad she did, but I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> so she she has this brilliant idea to marry my sister's father, pregnant with me, and she walks down the aisle pregnant. And then she tells my stepdad that I'm his son, but she said she was she had a premature birth, that I was early, that I was premature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he this guy grows up. Like he, it didn't work out with him either. Surprise, surprise. But like he thought for a couple of years that I was his kid. Okay. But I was not. But my dad was in on this and he knew about it. So I, I don't know, girl. They Very complicated. They, These webs. They, they definitely, yeah, they get sloppy down in North Carolina. I mean, I don't know like what, <laughs> the, what the deal is. So yeah, so my mom like flew to Germany, got married to my sister's dad. So I do have a half sibling from that. Okay. Okay. My so sister then- Christine. So tell me about growing up. So what was your, like, first of all, tell me a little bit about the Zen dynasty and how that plays into the story, Okay, what your mom's relationship with them is. Well, I will say this. I used to really speak 
so proudly about my family history. And, you know, from my mom's side, my last name is Zand. I didn't take my father's last name for obvious reasons. I, uh, there's, let me clarify this. Okay, so my stepdad's last name was put on me as a child. I grew up with that. And on top of that, I grew up with the name Kevin legally, which I hated because I felt like, I felt like it was so apologetic and whitewashing. Yeah, because it was like, oh, my, you know, I grew up at the time where you didn't want to say you're running where everyone hit it and they were afraid of like, People didn't know what Iran and Iraq was. There's a lot of racism in the South. So I understand. I'm not going to be too hard on my mom about that. But she gave me the name Kevin legally. So what I, but at home it was Kayvon because that was my name in Farsi. You know, did you have the dual name? No. Or did you just? No. Like, I have the American name and the English name. My sister, Christine Mojga, at least mine is closer together. With that said, I grew up, you know, trying to do this Kevin thing at home. It was a Kayvon thing. When I turned 18, I said, listen, like, I I'm proud of my culture because I was one of those kids who there were no Persians around. So I always was proud of it. I spoke about Eftikhar and Mikaradam. Like I went to, I even battled with some of my teachers about it. Yeah. But, um, because there was, there was some racism, you know? So with that said, I changed my name to Kayvon legally. I embraced, and I dropped my last name of my stepdad because he didn't raise me. It wasn't who I was at this point. I found out everything. So I'm like, I'm just going to take my mom's last name. And also I was proud of the heritage that came along with it. So that's when Kayvon Zan became official was 18. Then people who knew me previously said, are you trying to be fancy? Why are you calling yourself Kayvon now? I'm like, no, like Kayvon is like, in Farsi, it's probably like Bob. It's such a common name. And trust me, I'm not being fancy. But, you know, some of my American friends kind of were like, what is he trying to do? Like reinvent himself? Like, is he like so delusional? He thinks like now he's like, you know, Marilyn Monroe. Like his Norma Jane face is so proud. <laughs> so that, that, that was that. So I used to like online, you know, I it's weird because... When we met, we had a, a little conversation about, you know, not realizing, you know, that people know you. I, to me, because Instagram is kind of real and it's not real. Social media has kind of been my platform, but because I live a regular life like everyone else, like you don't realize that we don't live in Iran, that people know you and you think right. that, oh, like, hi, like, and then if someone says they know you, you're like, oh, you know things about me. So this thing about m my family and being a descendant of a prominent Iranian family from my grandparents' side because my mom's last name was Zan, both of my grandparents were the last name Zan. And they were the population that were from Shiraz that migrated to Kerman. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my mom grew up in Tehran, but, and then here we are in the States. Because that was from like Lutf Ali Khan and like all of that line of the Zan dynasty. So when I went to Iran, which was like 16 or 17 years ago, my great uncle, Khodobi Omar Zatish, had all the plaques and like the family tree and everything. And this was really great for me to have something so cool because for my dad's side, for the longest time, I didn't know who my dad was actually for a long time. My mom lied to me about a lot of it. At one point she said that like my, my dad was a random guy who raped her. She said it was my stepdad. She really was like kind of crazy about it. She didn't want me to approach my dad, but they had this weird like, and I'm going to have to flip between these stories because it's all related. They had this pact where I was not supposed to know and I was supposed to just stay away. So when I found out, I really was just kind of like, I'm going to just be proud of the family that I have and what I know. So I started to talk to my great uncle, talk to my family. This is so cool. Like we should talk about this, but like American people don't know about it. So they don't care. And it's so long ago. It's not like, it's, you know, like you're like a part of the Fajars or Pahlavi. It's like something before that. So when I started to mention it online, it was cool. But then the more it got out there, I went viral on like things that I didn't know about, like Telegram or stuff like that, about being a descendant of this family. And they would put pictures of me like in full on drag or like, you know, like in a G string or something like this, like Kairu Khan is rolling in his grave. I started to get a lot of backlash. People even came to the point where they said I was lying. I was making it up just to kind of like erase me, I guess, like to make me feel like I'm such an embarrassment. People would come at me and say, you're embarrassing Iranians. 
also around that time I was on America's Got Talent. So that was like a whole other thing that brought a lot of people like, you know, putting me in the spotlight and creating this controversy. So the last year when I started engaging with the Iranians on Instagram and really building a following, because in the past year since I started going live with the Iranian people in Iran, my page went from 90K to 190K. And I don't say that because I'm counting. It just showed that many people from Iran started to take interest in who I was. And I decided early on in that thing that I did not want them to know about my background. I didn't want to talk about being from a certain family. I didn't even tell them about a lot of the stuff I did in America, like being on certain TV shows and magazines, because I just didn't want to deal with all email puts with it, or this is this, or he's a liar, this and that. I just, so I went into it and also it felt good to know these people were following me because they liked me from talking to me in lives. Like not because of what they thought I had done, if it was cool or not cool, if they wanted to troll me, if they wanted to harass me. So then this group of people started to find out about some of the stuff and I guess Iran has Google. <laughs> so it, it's weird. It's it's now it's like, I, I talk about it because it, it is a part of who I am and I was proud of it. Now I'm kind of like, not embarrassed, but I kind of just don't want to deal with the harassment that comes along with saying that you could be from something that might be kind of a, I guess, a monumental family for your country, because you do deal with a lot of judgment. You do deal with a lot of weird claims. I've had people even accuse me of having like all this money and lands from Iran that I've never gotten anything from Iran. Like there doesn't even exist. Like it's not even a thing. So it just became more hassle than it was like FSR. So I just stopped talking about it, to be honest with you, because it, it really, it was a backlash. I felt. Interesting. Yeah, I guess for me, what interests me about it is that I feel like we see history through this lens of like what's happening right now and like what's going on. But I feel like, I don't know, if you look at the Rajar dynasty or if you keep looking back in Iranian history and you think of like, you know, yeah, you think of our gender pronouns, like that we don't have gender pronouns and and you see the way and you see the way like historically Iranians do bend gender and how fluid they are. Like, I feel like maybe who you are is a direct reflection of like what we've been for a long time, you know, or a truer reflection of that. So that's what interests me about it. Like to try to look through history. Well, it's interesting because like Lut Fali, which was one of the last leaders of, you know, the Zand family or dynasty, as they like to say, he never called them. They never called himself the people's king. They were a lot more humble about it. But he was actually technically would have been considered to be gender fluid. Like, you know, his sexuality, his gender was very much up for question. And he wore makeup, you know, he, he wore makeup as a ruler. And yeah, I, I found that to be really interesting and inspiring. It kind of made me feel like, you know what? Like, I'm not that like revolutionary or strange or whatever this has been going on for a long time it's just the difference is is like now we have language and as a world i think we're at a place where we can start having conversations you know like let's just be real i mean american culture does really set the tone for the world right i think when american culture started embracing queerness in the past 10 years and having conversations and respect for lgbtqia plus people i think other countries and culture started to kind of piggyback so I get you know. Like I mean, let's just be real, at least with media. Yeah, it's it's been nice to be able to be Iranian, like be able to have like conversations and to say, Hey, I'm non binary or you know, like where I was at this Persian parade and like I was able to be myself and like to be like celebrated. So it's it's nice. I, I think I just remember growing up and seeing people like Hutan and like Khordadian and like I knew they were tribe, but they never spoke about it and I'm not going to fault them because I don't think the opportunity was there, but it's just like, you know, as an artist, like, you know, I, I hope to be like one of 
the many to come of Iranian artists who will speak very openly about my queerness and still be able to participate in the culture. But yeah, even for me, it's been a struggle. Like, you know, I, I released a video and I mean, I will say the video was controversial. There were some adult themes in it. There was some sexiness. There's a little bit of violence. I thought it was thought provocative if you watch it. But like one of the big stations like was like, you know, we love the video, we love the song, but we just can't play it. But they're like, but also they wouldn't play this on daytime TV and the States. I'm like, no, that's actually not true. I mean, they, you don't have to play the whole video, but you guys could have brought me on to invite me. I was also invited before this video to come on the station, but they said, we'd like to talk about you as a parent, but not don't mention your queerness, which is weird because they brought queer people on the station, but they are very heteronormative. So it's weird. I think someone like me who is queer but also looks queer, I'm too much. But they allow you to be queer if you look heteronormative. I've noticed that. Interesting. I've noticed that. Interesting. So it, it's interesting how the climate is still behind with the Iranians and stuff. But the great thing about the internet is you can live in the fringe and you can get just as many views or as much as exposure, even more than networks and stuff. So I do appreciate that freedom we have. And you can connect with people within the country too. But there's, we still have a long way to go. And there's still a lot of controversy around who I am. And yes, the Zan Dynasty thing is very controversial for a lot of people. The lifestyle that I have is very controversial for people too, I think, because I am on the fringe, you know, it's like, I'm not just like a gay person or a, a trans person where they can say, okay, I get it. Like this person wants to be a woman and wants to be with a guy or this like the fact that I am with a woman, but I am queer and I'm non-binary and to them, they think I look like a woman and some of them do is very eye-opening, but it is very puzzling for a lot of Iranian people. And I've, I've come to terms with that. Right. And I, I do feel like the times when I would go to Iran, just seeing the way you're right, the language has changed now and we have words for it now, but I always feel like going to Iran, people were a lot more comfortable with their sexuality and with being fluid and with like, yeah, you'll see like men feeding other men ice cream in the street or like hugging or kissing or just being more physical, you know, it's just a very physical and like, I feel like it's embraced in a way without using language for it. I think masculinity and femininity are subjective to cultures like in Iran, like men will kiss each other on the cheeks for that's been around and that was never considered to be like, you know, over here, like, I mean, I hate to be like, speak negatively, but like if two guys kiss each other, there's like no homo. They'll like use derogatory language. Like, so Iranians do have their own definitions of masculine and femininity. I mean, on the lives, I've seen men who definitely have made some cosmetic choices that like, I'm like, damn, like, and like, you know, the nose is done, the lips are done, the everything is done. And then they'll come like, I'm like, dude, like, honey, this, this question could be reversed, but you know, we'll, we'll keep it where it's at. But yeah, there are like different standards for masculinity and femininity culturally, but I'm not sure I could say that Iranian culture has gotten better. I think there's a big difference. I think we have two different cultures. We have the diaspora has its own culture and there, people within Iran have their own culture. The diaspora is definitely closer to, you know, American and more like Western thought and they mimic it more. They still have their reservations. But I think within Iran, unfortunately, because the government is so anti-queer. And, you know, people say we've been in a revolution for, like, what has it been, like, almost a year now? No, technically, we've been in a revolution for 42 years. Because it's curious to me that no one seemed to really have an issue that our queers brothers and sisters have been openly executed by the country. But now, all of a sudden, Zan Zan Degi Azadi, because some cisgender people were killed, the same way queer people have been killed for the past 40-plus years. That's something to think about. 
And that is one of the issues that I have with those people who go to protest and don't want the Rangin Kamani, the LGBTQI plus presence and flag in the same. They're like this is separate. No, it's not separate. The only difference is, is that you guys are now starting to get a small taste of what it's like to be queer in Iran, to where you could be executed. I love that you've been talking you about that. That's so important. Yeah, that gets me so riled up when I see the resistance against LGBTIQIS plus flags from Iranian people at protests or at demonstrations. It really boils my blood because, you know, these injustices that now have been happening for cisgender people to be killed, you know, openly have been happening for 40 plus years. You know, they, they weren't even trying to hide it, at least with some other stuff they lie. They don't say it. They don't admit to it. But they admit to killing any Persian person. I mean, any queer person. Very openly. So there is like, there is a bit of resentment with the times I feel like, you know, this could have, this should have happened a long time ago. If it's about human rights, if this is what we're really fighting for. So queer people don't deserve human rights. And also the suggested forced gender reassignment that they have in Iran, where if you're queer, they want you to become trans. And then what happens is a lot of trans people who are, who are actually, no, I'll take it back. They're not even trans who are having to, to mutilate their bodies because they're being pressured by society to do so. Then later on have these operations. They're forced into sex work because a trans person, a queer person, when I get hired, they're forced into sex work. And then, you know, I That's think it. a lot of people don't everything. know about this. So you're talking, so let's, let's unpack this a little bit. So Khomeini actually said in the beginning, like sometimes God messed up or something and misgendered someone. Right. And so the Islamic Republic will pay for you to have surgery to change your gender. Is that right? From what I gather, I don't know if they, they fully pay for it, but there's a lot of assistance and a lot of support. They see Remember when, what was his name who said we have no gay people in Iran? Ahmadinejad. Ahmadinejad. Oh, if you look back now how sinister that comment was, and he truly meant it. That's the insanity. It wasn't a lie. He believed that because by Iranian thought, government, separate the government from the people before we move forward in this conversation. So you guys realize I'm not talking about the people. Let's say the Islamic Republic. I'm talking about the Republic. Yeah. Yeah, because people get offended sometimes. I think you're speaking on their behalf. But unfortunately, they say that you know, gayness isn't a thing. If you have, if you're gay, if you're queer, then you're just in the wrong body. So let's fix you. They see you as somebody who's sick, who needs medical attention. They don't understand the difference between jensiat and geroish, between orientation and gender. They see it as one, and that's very dangerous. And I would say what they do is the closest thing I can think of is Hitler. You know, it's it's really a scary thought process, and unfortunately. The people who live in that country just don't have the education because, you know, we, I grew up and I was born here. So like you had sex ed, you know, now it's like my, at my kid's school, there's like the gay straight alliance. Like I'm the PTO president for my kid's school. So that's, that should say a lot, you know? So it's like, you have, you have all these opportunities for children to be educated and leaving education aside. One of the great things about putting your children, giving your children exposure to other cultures is you erase ignorance. But when you have a really controlled agenda of what someone's allowed to see and learn, that's a really great opportunity to create dangerous ignorance. And unfortunately, that's where it comes from is people just, I don't want to say the education, they don't even have, they're not allowed to have the exposure. They're not allowed to have the conversations. And that's been one of the great things about the internet is you can connect with people and they can yeah. hear it from the horse's mouth. Okay, you grew up in North Carolina to an Iranian mother. 
So how did you mm-hmm. grow up speaking? You spoke Persian before you spoke English. So what was her methodology with you speaking language? My mom talks a lot. She talks <laughs> to herself a lot. If, if you don't listen to her, she'll talk to herself. My mom is comfortable with Farsi. So I would love to say it was like some, oh, it was just convenient. And my mom talks a lot when she's in a bad mood, like you'll never hear the end of it. So, <laughs> And yeah. so you grew, grew up, she only spoke Persian to you. <laughs> yes, in the home, because that's what was comfortable. But also like, you know, when you're out and there's American, I mean, English speaking people, you know, she would speak English, but that that was her, her comfort. So that's what was spoken at home. And as you know, the home is really where, you know, the language is made. Right. And you and your sister both grew up speaking and I, I think my Farsi has now become stronger because I, I exercise it more, especially this past year. Yeah. Um, but my sister is fluent, but she just doesn't really, she prefers not to speak it. Like if she would, she'll answer someone who speaks Farsi if they speak English in English. If, you know, if it's available, she'll choose English. If it's available, I choose Farsi because I think it's more fun. It's more challenging. Right. It's more exciting. And I, I don't get to use it as much. So I appreciate it. Yeah. And then what about the traditions? Like, did y'all do Noruz? Did you do, like, would you say you had an Iranian household? Yes and no. I mean, I I think because we didn't have a large Persian population, like, you know, it, my mom didn't really, like, do a lot of Noruz or, like, she didn't do Yalda. I didn't even know what Yalda was until, like, I met my partner. Right. Like, I, it's because I just love celebrating anything. You give me a reason, I'm ready to, like, go all <laughs> out. That's just who I am. Because we, I don't speak Farsi in my house. My children don't speak Farsi. I'm trying to compensate for it in other ways. So I try to bring in the traditions and the holidays and, you know, get them interested and, and proud. And I do the Noruz, Yalla, all of that stuff. But, yeah, my mom was good about, like, socializing with some Persian families, the Persian food, speaking Farsi at home. But yeah, she wasn't really good at, she just wasn't good at holidays in general, actually, if I, if I want to be fair. <laughs> okay. I was like wrapping my own Christmas presents. Yeah, that's... <laughs> okay. She just didn't get it. But she then in North it. Carolina, you said there weren't other Iranians, but were, were there other there cultures? Like, oh, there were some other Iranians. Yeah, my, my dad's family was there. There were like maybe four or five other families in the town. But you did feel like there was some racism but you said you were kind of proud of being Iranian in school, like you would talk about it or? There were a couple of times I was called a sand nigger. And I, I'm going to use that N word because it was directed towards me yeah. in a different way. And that's a lot of people aren't familiar with that phrase in the South because I grew up on the Bible Belt. But that is directed towards people who are Middle Eastern. And that was a really harsh word that a lot of Middle Eastern people. Felt. But I, I did not look Middle Eastern. Right. That's what I was going to ask. You're blonde now, but what did you look like growing up? And you were Kevin. No, I, I was very whitewashed. I mean, very fair. I, I looked white. I sounded white. But I, I just, I spoke about it a lot. Because it was my, it was like I lived two lives. I mean, at my house is like I was in Tehran. And then when I walked out, it's like I was in like the Bible Belt. Yeah, it was strange. You know, when you're a kid, you talk about what's happening at home. I remember I would bring like Persian food sometimes to school. And like, I remember the kids like, that looks so gross. And then like, I remember the teachers like, she didn't hear me. She's like, yeah, that looks disgusting. I would never eat that. So like the kid, I'm like, like, you just didn't have the support. That's why I love being in a big city and, like, you know, having my children, like, because I never would put my children through that. Like, it it, it just really sucked because when the adults don't know any better than the children. Right. Because the children mimic the adults, I guess it's, it goes, it's a 360. It can be really hard for kids because you expect there to be, like, some sort of, like, hey, let's not do this. But, like, when you're talking to a social studies teacher and they're, like, you know, people who are, like... Iran and Iraqi is like, or like the same thing, or like when September 11th happened, they're like, you know, um, they think that you're like a terrorist. You know, it's like people don't even understand, like, it's not even the same thing that there's different sectors of Islam, I mean, denominations, you know, that there's 
you know, Islamic countries are very huge and there's difference between Arab culture, Persian culture, but they don't get all that. So it was, it was difficult. I got into some really heated conversations and if people wanted to make a low blow, that's kind of where they went with it. And then your partner right now is American. Y'all have been together for a really long time. Is that right? I love that they say y'all. Where, where are you living? <laughs> Texas. <laughs> Oh, girl, okay. Now, so you know what I'm talking about. I'm from North Carolina. My partner's from Georgia. So we are Southern and y'all was, is about right. I like yeah, that. Yeah, you say y'all too. And, and, I, always, no, I always make fun of it. And I'm like, Anna's like, it's y'all to y'all. Put on the y'all and y'all. That should be like a t-shirt. But yeah, she's American. She's also queer, but she's American. She grew up, her father's a preacher. You should see my wedding video. It, it's pretty wild. But yeah, her father's a preacher. He spoke at our wedding and did the ceremony aspect. There's a lot of like fusion going on in this house. You're not teaching them Persian right now. Your kids. You have three children. I know like language is like your big thing and you, I'll take tips from you. But there's a difference between intentionally teaching and teaching by habit. I grew up for my my mom didn't teach me Farsi. She spoke Farsi. Teaching your child Farsi is been something that with my first daughter, I tried to get her to watch like I found like little programs and watch Persian cartoons and stuff. But she ended up having a speech delay, and I decided to scratch the whole thing because she had some hearing issues at the time. She had like severe infections, so I kind of lost my enthusiasm with teaching her Farsi because I just wanted her to be able to speak English. Right. Like, people don't understand her now. She's six. You know now she's caught up and people understand her. So it's something that I'm curious about now. But unfortunately, because of that situation, it, it was difficult for me to try to introduce another language in my house. It wasn't something that I was sh sure that would make things worse or better. But as far as speaking at home, I mean, it's not an option because I have no one to speak it to. Yeah, I, I would like to get her in a school or something. But you know, it, it's tough. It's I, I have excuses. And I, I know you have to make priorities. So I'm going to eat that and prioritize it. Hey everyone, Layla here with a quick message. I wanted to let you know that if you are interested in learning the Persian language, the solution is here for you. Chayan Conversation is the most complete resource available for people looking to learn the Persian language. Maybe you grew up in an Iranian household and weren't taught the language. Or you have an Iranian partner and you want to understand their culture better. Or you're just interested in Iranian culture. Whatever your reason for wanting to learn the Persian language, you now have an easy way to dive into it. Our conversational Persian lessons are absolutely free on our podcast. Just search for Chayan Conversation anywhere you get your podcast and start with lesson one. We're looking forward to you joining us. I started this in our series. I think we're very similar. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-month-old. Or seven months, actually, as of yesterday. That is close. I'm 642, recently, too. Yeah, wow. So then I started this series, Raising Numeries, because I wanted to know how to do it. And I'm similar to you. Like, I grew up in Texas. There weren't a lot of Iranians around. There were some. But my mom started a Farsi language program. She started the first one in Dallas, where she would teach us how to read and write from when I was really little. And it was really important to her. And it was really important to me. Like, I, I always say, like, I feel like I didn't have a lot of racism growing up at all. Like, I never experienced it. Like, maybe it was around and I just didn't notice it or something. But in Texas, I feel like everyone was very, like, live or let live, you know? They were just like, and I grew up in the 80s, too. But Texas, too. you guys have a huge Hispanic population, yes, too, right? totally. See, I grew up in a very waspy town. It was mostly uh, white. Okay, so we did not have that. It was not white at all. It was, like, Hispanic. Mm -hmm. It was Asian, Indian, a lot of different cultures around it is Dallas is pretty diverse. Austin, where I'm now, is not as diverse, unfortunately. But 
But it's like liberally open-minded, you know? I was super proud of being Iranian. I talk about it all the time. And and so when I had kids, you know, my husband's American and I was like, how do I do this? So I started interviewing all these people on this series, Raising Nimrunis. And basically everyone I talked to was like, well, okay, to keep your kids speaking. And, and they were all people who were married to non-Iranians. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you should do this. Like, just talk to them in Farsi. Do this, do this. And I was like, okay, so do your do kids, kids speak Farsi? That's what I was like, do your kids. Uh, no, I, no, I, it didn't work out. Okay. Do they, do you do these things? No, but this is what you should do if you want. <laughs> so I figured out that out of everybody that I talked to, no one has been able to keep their kids speaking Persian, except for, I don't know if you know, Shabnam Rezaei. She lives in New York. Her kids speak fluently. I know. I was very envious of that, but happy for her. She was basically like, you can only speak to them in Farsi. And if they say bread, you say, I don't understand. What is that? Like, she was like, you just have to lie to them and say you don't understand. And then I was like, but what about what? How is it like at the dinner table for you guys? Like, are you speaking a different language than your husband? Like, did, she was like, oh, yeah, it's chaos. Like, I speak a different thing to my kids. My husband doesn't understand. Da, da, da. So that's what it's. you have to pay that price. You know, like you're not going to have a cohesive family dinner, basically. I want my husband to be part of a family conversation at dinner. You know, it's very important to me. And I feel like maybe that's important to you, too. It's just you have to make a choice, basically. But what I do personally is I do speak Persian with my kids exclusively if my husband's not around. So they at least hear it. And I feel like they have a good basis for it. And they understand everything. You know, they've, I've been doing it since they were little. But then when he's around, like, I want him to understand. And and so the price I pay is that my kids don't really speak back to me in Persian. And that's just how it is. You know, it's interesting. Like, my partner, she's, like, probably came on the Mayflower, you know, her family. But, like, she learned to speak Spanish. She's very fluent in it. So I know that there is, like, within, as a parent for our children, there is natural ability and talent that I would hope could be passed on. I think what we're going through is kind of, a normal part of being generational immigrants, you know, like think of people who came here who were like, you know, Italians, they're not, now it's like they have their own culture, they have their own accents and like, they're not speaking Italian anymore. I think this is just what happens. I think with Iranians and Persians, because we're a newer generation of immigrants, we're still at the tail end of wanting to fight it, you know, but but I think unfortunately as generations go on, I, I do think we will become, you know, what it means to be like an Italian American or Irish American, you know, it's like, then you just become American because I'm seeing it. Like my children are all half white and realistically they're going to, you know, marry American. They're probably not going to marry Persian, you know, now it could be like other cultures within America, maybe African American, maybe Asian, whatever. But as, as it goes down, like, because we are like, we grew up with parents who came here, like, it means something to us. So we want to pass it down and we want to try to still keep the culture alive. So I, I get it. But I, I feel like at the same time, I realize that like, I'm not waving a white flag. Maybe I'm waving a pink flag because I'm like, I, I, I know what's happening here. And I, part of me comes a little bit peace with it where I'm not too hard on myself about it. But it is something that is still very important to me. And I hope that at least if anything, you know, if the language, if I don't, pass on the gift of conversational language at least the culture and the heritage we'll have persian we'll have Amer- iranian american culture just like italians do you know we're they're a big part of this country culturally but yeah i would love for my children to speak farsi and i, I know there's sacrifices that i have to make i, I battle myself between the two i'm like Kevin, like you're going against what the nature of where you're headed you understand that 
but I still have that part of me still wants to fight it, you know? And I know there's ways to do it, but I'll be honest with you with three children, it's hard to even sit at the same dinner table at the same time. So let alone have these <laughs> conversations. Like I want to paint this Partridge family, like beautiful image of life, but that's really not real life for me. When you have children, it's like just to make it through the day without being screamed at. Being <laughs> yeah. hit. It's like just the win. So like <laughs> I, I see these parents who are like these who are amazing, more powerful children who like do all these things with their children, blah, blah, blah. Their children are doing this and that and like and all these things. I'm like, how the fuck did they do it? it I see it as ex- extracurricular activity. That's just where it's been in my headspace for now. <laughs> but I hope that it can be more than that. The past few years, like before this fall, what was your relationship with Iranian culture? Did you start Persian drag show or? Oh, the Persian drag show that's in Toronto and Canada. No, that was that show was started by my friend Javid. Shout out to Javid. And they invited me, ironically, around the same time I started doing the lives and getting involved in the Persian community, I guess, online. When was that? It's been almost a year. It's been a year. Okay, a year. So right before the protest started. Okay. Yeah, just before that. Yeah, it's weird. That that's really cool. I, I I would like to see more queer representation. I mean, I did a music video. And Sino Sukerduni, like my last video, directed. He, if you know, he's a really well-known and respected Iranian director who does videos for Gugush, like really big artists, you know, Sippy then, all those. So for him to do such a queer video as someone who's like a cisgender straight guy was just like, wow, this is amazing. I think it's going to be interesting to have more Persian queer representation. I... I'm an old friend of, I say friend of RuPaul, because before he did Drag Race, like, you know, we would like meet up for dinner after I had my job in the West Village, used to work in like this Mexican restaurant. Like we used to like hang out. He just was like, it was like a true friendship. And I got to be in this film Star Booty and like do some shows with him locally. I was doing backup for him. But, you know, with Drag Race taking off and now expanding into so many different cultures and having spinoffs i did reach out to the executive producer world of wonders so i would love to be involved and to help bring drag race to iran or persia whatever you want to call it i don't know if the networks would go for it i would love to see more queer representation and when i say queer i don't just mean like i don't mean the heteronormative type i want like i want you to see drag queens i want you to see queer people being sexy being provocative just like if you can if sepita can wear a two-piece and look sexy and fly, I should be able to do that. I, I would love to see that type of opportunity for queer people. I think the drag race shows were cool, but I would like to see it go to the next level. And I would love to see a television show come out of it. I would love to host a show like that. I mean, if the opportunity were represented, but at least to help pave the way. So the people like that you had mentioned before, like Horda Dion Hutan, who we know are part of the community. Yeah. So what do you think that they should do? Is there something that they sh- should be doing that they're not doing? Like, do you want them to be more open? I believe Khordadian has come out officially. I mean, you know, it's like Iran's theory has always been in the entertainment industry. Don't ask, don't tell. It's like you could seem like you're queer and people know you just don't talk about it, which is, is so disrespectful to me, actually. But Hutan, I'm not aware of him ever speaking or they, I don't know their pronouns, speaking about their queerness or their, you know, any of this. So... I don't think I'm looking for the old generation to make any changes because, you know, they were a product of their time. And I, I respect that. I'm talking about now. I'm not even like going like they, they do their thing. They do their things they are contributed. They paved the way in the ways that they could. Now we need to move it forward. I would just love to see more queer representation. My next music video, I'm excited because Jackie Cox, who was like Iranian drag queen and drag race is going to have a cameo in my video. I have a trans influencer, Melanie Karimi, who like is very controversial. Oh, she's a little 18 plus unless with her content, but she's going to have a cameo in my video. I'm really 
as an indie artist, I'm really like going to take the lead and I'm going to push and like, we're going to be here. We're going to make content. Am I going to have support from the Iranian entertainment industry? Probably not. And unfortunately with them, once you do something and it has a shitload of interest and views, then they might start knocking on your door. That's just the reality of, I guess, anything. But yeah, as of now, it really just is like me funding and making it happen on my own and collaborating with people like Cyrus and the, I will say the producer for my tracks, Harris, and this one that's coming out, he's based in Iran and he works with the biggest Iranian artists as well. And unfortunately, because of Shadia to Iran, he can't really mention his name and to keep himself safe. But yeah, I, I think this is actually kind of groundbreaking, even if it's not going to be featured on all these sites and things. I mean, Radio Javan did put my music video on their site, but they made me pay for it. Wow. Yeah, they made me pay for it. And they said they would not put it on their, their TV network because I guess it's too controversial. So we still have a long way to go. So do you have a PSA for other members of the queer community, Iranians, <laughs> what they should do? You have to change things about cultures and communities that you don't like. You can't wait for them to change and then say, okay, now I'll speak. That'll never happen. You can just hold your breath and, you know, don't hold your breath. But it's like, you have to, like, the more I do this and the more successful I become, the more so I'll be like, well, if Kayvon, this Kayvon character, like this crazy thing is like doing something, why can't I, you know? But unfortunately, it's a part of coming from oppressed culture. And you, how can you really blame people who were born in countries where they could be executed? How can you take away that fear and that trauma? To where I can't compare them to me. I was born here. I have my own sense of privilege. You know, I, I, I said that in an interview, and I said I have, and they're like, "No, you can't you're queer. What privilege?" No, I have privilege. I get it. I'm white passing. I grew up and was raised and born, and you know, a country where I had freedom. I try not to like shame other people to bring my cause up. I try to keep it realistic, but I also try to remind people that like. You know, at the end of the day, like what, what, what are you doing it for? For me, art is a form of activism in my own way. Some people may not understand that. I mean, I can't fight every battle, but I know which battles I want to fight. And the battles I want to fight are queer representation, queer rights. You know, those are my battles. I, I, Zanzendigi Azadi, obviously, that's, I think that touches all at this point. But yeah, I, I think it will continue. It will go forward. But I think there's has to be more sticking together amongst the queer people who are around today. You know, if there are other queer people who have opportunities and platforms, if you're not going to speak, if you don't want to represent yourself personally, then at least try to help out the people who are. That's how you can move it forward. You don't have to put yourself in the spotlight, but at least help out the Kayvons of the world. You know, don't don't do self-hatred and then say, ah, because I represent what you're afraid of admitting about yourself. There's societal pressure and then family pressure. So then do you feel like like was your mom supportive? Like, did you feel comfortable? No, I was kicked out of the house. Yeah. As a teenager. But you feel comfortable being yourself now. Yeah, I, I, I paid a price. I definitely think I'm braver than a lot of Iranian people. I mean, I've. I've battled Mel B from the Spice Girls on national TV. I think I'm a brave bitch. <laughs> Point blank. I mean, I don't know why I'm I'm strong. I just realized at an early age that like you can't make everyone happy. And grew up in a Persian family, you're taught that's your first like reason for waking up in the morning is approval from your family and then the people around you. When I realized I could not make my mother happy because she was impossible, I was going crazy and I tried for a very long time. 
And the moment I said, well, I'm going to make myself happy then because she'll never be happy with, even if I become a surgeon and do what she wants, she's still not going to be happy. When I realized, but hey, Kayvon can be happy. What about Kayvon? That's someone you can make happy. Take that energy of being a people pleaser, but please yourself. Then I started to really get somewhere in my life that came with sacrifice. I'm not going to lie. That still comes with sacrifice. That still comes with judgment. I, I was lucky. I've I've been able to have friendships with queer heroes like RuPaul, um, like people like Michael Musto. Like, you know, I've had support from people here. Like, you know, when I started out with my American music, like Adam Lambert used to show up to like my music video premieres and like, you know, I've had support from within queer people here. So I had a healthy relationship with queerness. If I was only in the Iranian bubble, it would have never happened. I first was in the American bubble and now I'm stepping into the queer bubble. But that's where I got my confidence was from the queer community. This is one thing I want to say, too. I, I say it like you and I have been doing this since 2010, and I've just gotten into social media. And I always say if I had like if I was younger and like not as confident in myself, I would have quit immediately because Iranians are so harsh, like everything immediately. They just want to point out the criticism. Like the first thing that they want to say is like criticize what I did wrong or some flaw that I had or like how it, they it, they could have made it better. And I'm like. Okay, there's deviance in every community, right? And in some of them, it's like a lot, and in some of them, it's less. Like, for example, if you see a group of nuns, like the deviance could be that they have their socks on wrong or something, right? So you experience that because your deviance is like very obvious to everyone. But for me, like when I when I make videos, they find that sock that's incorrect or whatever, and they criticize that immediately. And that's the first thing that they do. That's how Iranians raise their children because they want, they think they're going to help them be successful. They plant, like they, they're like, you're going to be a mouse on a treadmill. Here's a piece of cheese. Just keep running. You'll never get it. So they, so they plant that to help their children. And I've seen my mom try to create like narratives with me and my sister, like competition because she thinks she's helping us get better. But unfortunately it's a really toxic trait where they, say, okay, people are going to criticize you, look at you bad, so make sure you do the best you can. They come from a good place, but it's just really fucked up and really warped and very Iranian. <laughs> yeah, and I want to tell them, you know, the reason American society is ahead so far is because from the time they're little kids, they're like, good job! Even if something's not good, they just like, and eventually you get good because you get confidence, you, you believe in yourself, and like, that's what we need to work on is to teach like people to believe in themselves and to develop and not be afraid of putting themselves out there. I think the truth is, is like, you know, you're dealing with the demographic of people. I mean, even though my parents technically came before the revolution, the revolution still affected them, you know, and how they lived their lives as immigrants to a different country. So while they weren't like, you know, refugees and fleeing for their lives, it still affected their social standing in the countries that they chose to live in. Right. So I think what happens is when you have a demographic of people who have fled, there's their thinking is not like, oh, okay, well, let me just like create like this really like kumbaya circle. Like they're just thinking about we have nothing. We need to make the best and be successful and make sure our kids, you know, can make something of themselves here because everything's against them. So I, I think there's this like really strong trauma that has set the tone for what the generations will be to come. And it's not just with the Iranians that you see in other cultures too, like an Asian culture, like an Indian culture, like 
Unfortunately, and I, I give, I said, let's give ourselves some grace too. I say like, we can't compare ourselves too much to Americans because they've been generationally very comfortable here, you know? So like, you know, they have, they've had time to say, okay, we, we can get by with food on the table, but now let's be better people. You know, it's like, so, you know, I, I try to give Iranians some grace in that regard, but I don't, I'm a little harder on the, the diaspora because, you know, at this point you guys have, You've had children, you have offspring, you've been here long enough. Now let's, you've had your past, let's cut to the bullshit, you know? And and with Iran, I give them a larger pass because right now, in my mind, Iran is a third world country. I don't care what people say. People don't like that statement. Let's just call it as it is. People right now are suffering to eat. People are selling their bodies to eat. Don't be embarrassed. Speak the truth so we change it, you know? But unfortunately, when people are coming from that mindset, you know, just getting by and having something to eat at the end of the day is what they're fighting for. So, they think like, what is all this bullshit these people are talking about? And I, I hope I don't speak disrespectfully on your show. I, I just speak very blunt. But it's like, you know, that's just where, where we're coming from. It's like, you know, we were born here. or We were raised here. So we definitely are now like, you know, have you ever seen those kids who grew up really wealthy? And they're like, yeah, I just want to go like shopping and like have some zen in my life. And like, oh, my God, like my therapist, like, really, no, we we have that privilege to have these conversations and create better. But also, I think. We can't compare ourselves to the Iranians in Iran and the generation before us because what they were coming from is so different. So I say we give them grace. We call out their, call them out all day. Give them grace, but don't compare yourselves to them. And if you're not going to compare yourselves to them, then make those corrections that you want now. But like when I speak to people in Iran or even here, it's like they're like, no, Jambudi Islami or monarchy. I'm like, dude, why can't we just have? like a free government it's because the, that concept to them is that they don't think it's an option. So what, like these things that we have, Oh, I'm non-binary. Oh, they don't think that's an option for them because they're like, in a Chimigan, we just want to like have basic human rights. So the bare minimum for them is, is a win. So it's, it, that's, that's where it's hard. It's like, you know, because right now they don't understand though. Like if me talking about, I want my queerness and my respect, they're like, in Chimigan, what is he fighting for? There's bigger things. But don't get it twisted. Right now, people are still being killed for being gay and queer in Iran. So while they think that it's not like it's a first world problem, maybe that's the word I'm looking for. No, it the queer situation isn't a first world problem in Iran. That that is that is still an issue. We definitely are lucky that we have the opportunity to kind of like reparent. But I don't think it's even an option for Iranians in Iran to reparent. Because they can't tell the child, go be yourself, and then fire them into Khyobun, they kill their child, you know? It's like, <laughs> so that's one thing I I edited myself because I was having conversations with people in Iran, and I'm trying to, like, and I'm like, dude, like, what am I talking about? Like, I, they don't have that right. Like, I'm t- I I say, go, Kayvon, I can't tell them to go be themselves and walk on the street. It's a really good point. What percentage of your followers now are in Iran? Maybe 60, 70%. How has your relationship with being Iranian changed in the past year? It's interesting. The diaspora has become really like, like, and I was like this at first. I would go in there, they would use language. Like they would say things that were offensive here. And I was like, really like, no, you can't say that. You can't do this. And like, we're like, so like, you know, we're so crunchified by like all the things happening here that like, you know, when we go to like talk to people who are within the country, it's a totally different culture in a, in a weird way, while they're not a free country, they have more freedom of speech amongst themselves. Like they can really speak their mind and someone will let you have it, but you can't get canceled. I think over here we have 
a new form of drag where people are PC, even if that's not what they really think, because they're trying to. And I, let me just say this. I'm a hardcore Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Trump supporter. So don't think like I'm trying to fight for like, you know, all that's like, no. But what I, what I, where I come from is I see that like in a weird way, like they can have open conversations without fear. It's weird. We, we say so much of afraid what people think, but Iranians here now, it's become more of this like, oh, make sure you don't say anything to like, we've kind of taken like cancel culture and we've made it Irani. You know, and it, it's interesting because I see a lot of this like, you know, I don't know if it's genuine yet. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still very questionable about Iran because I know how much people's perception is like, I know the culture. So in Iran, they're a little bit more, in Iran, they're a little more sada. They really speak what they're thinking. So you can have real, you, I, maybe this will say, you can have more honest conversations. I feel Iranians here. I don't know. They're like a cross between like, you know what it means to be American today, like with all the like the PCness, and then like also the Irani Tarof Bozi on top of it. So it's I have a harder time because I really wonder like you're gonna talk about this and that when I'm gone. I know that because that's just what Iranian people do. And then on top of that, I'm like, yeah, you're sitting here acting like you're all for queer rights. This and that, but are you bullshitting me because you're telling me what you think I want to hear and what you think is the right thing to say? But behind closed doors, would you support your child if they were queer? I don't buy it. So who are you talking about? Like the diaspora. The diaspora. You said that you feel like you aren't given enough platforms to speak. Well, here's an example. There was an Iranian girl. I used to do a lot of nightlife before the pandemic. And she like, totally, it was cool. She thought I was American. I was like, oh, you're fabulous, this and that. Like, try, acting like totally like she's on her wavelength. The moment she found out I was Iranian, her viewpoint of me changed. She's like, she was all laughing. At me. She's like, she started crying. She's like, oh my God, you know, if if you were my, if you were my sibling, like my dad would kill himself. I was like, oh. So wait a minute, but when you thought I was white or American, we're taking pictures, we're kicking in the club, we're having a good time. The moment you found I'm Iranian, your whole attitude towards me changed. But now, now what, this is what I'm saying. Like, I feel like Iranian people now who are in the diaspora who live here, they want to act like they're like all a part of this, like, you know, woke culture and everything, but they don't want their children to be queer or gay. They would not support them. They would do everything they could. Do they really tell their kids to do what makes them happy? Yeah, but they still want their kids to be doctors. I don't buy it. That's what I'm saying. I think they're an interesting morph between what they're told they're supposed to be by their American culture, but also that Iranian thing is still in their ear. So you're getting like a lot, even more judgment, like I, I feel. Whereas in Iran, they don't have all of the, the, the political climate is just shit. So they don't have all these like, oh, this is how you're supposed to act. Angelina Jolie speaking this way, like, let's have this awoken. They don't have that. So you, so it's just like, it is what it is. They don't have good role models. So when you speak to them, if they say something, you know, if they're like acting polite or whatever, like, but usually if they give you their opinion, it's not because it's something that's been put in their ear. It's really coming from them. If I speak to a person in Iran who says, I believe queer people, I, I have their back. I know they're not putting on a show. I know that's not them trying to mimic what's around them. They're, if they're saying that, they're actually going against the grain. But here, because it's popular now to be woke and be crunchy and all this stuff, I don't really buy it as much with the Iranian people. I'm not going to say all of Iranian people, but I don't buy it as much. I think it's now a new level of, uh-huh, because we care for queer people. We care for these people. But there's, are you willing to support your child if they're queer? If you say yes and you mean it, then you're an ally. If not, step step out of line. <laughs> so what's your relationship now with the diaspora? Like you were in the Persian parade, you have your own float, all that kind of stuff. Do you feel accepted by the diaspora or you feel like there's this... There's this but the diaspora runs the entertainment industry, Azizaman. 
Who's running the entertainment industry of Iranian? Is it diaspora or people within Iran? All the Persian networks, who's, who's, who's running that? Is that the diaspora or is that the people within Iran? Yeah. <laughs> just saying, just saying, the diaspora needs to be called out too because they want to say, who's running Iranian press? Who's running like Iranian entertainment, I mean? Who's running the Iranian music culture? Who creates the Iranian artists today? Is it Iran? No, sweetheart. It's the diaspora. So yeah, I do have a bit of resentment with some of the diaspora because they want to act like everything is happening within Iran. No, it's not all within Iran. The music that they're listening to within Iran comes from here. The pop stars that they're worshiping from Iran comes from here. We have a lot more hand and influence than we want to give ourselves credit for. Oh, it's not just LA. Look at the, the shows that are filmed in Europe. Like, Persia's Got Talent, The Voice. I just mean, yeah. like, in your community, like in New York. Like, oh, what is well, the, listen, New York is not I'm the United States. About. This is right, not right, the United right. States. Right, right, This right. isn't even the diaspora. People here are a lot more liberal and open-minded in general. So I love the Iranian people here because they're okay. cool. But, yeah, when you go into, like, North Carolina and other places, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because, you know, I always tell my Iranian followers of this, too. At Los Angeles, and especially in New York, are not the United States. Just like Tehran is not Iran. Right, right, You know, right. it's like any large city doesn't represent the country. But yeah, the more most of the United States is conservative. You know, that's just reality. Most of the, most of our states are conservative, you know. Um, right. Listen, I don't want to like sit here and be like, I'm like mad at the diaspora <laughs> or mad at like, I'm not mad at anyone. I just want people to have like, if, if, if we're going to really say we're fighting for queer rights for the people who are, then I want that to start within your home. There's a saying I love, if you want to change the world, start at home. I want you to mean it. I don't want you to do it because you're trying to get like, you know, a pat on the back and then like your children's system where they're getting you know, like, no, like that's what I mean. And that's, that's kind of like what I mean about Persian culture that has been very hard for me. It's like, I see my mom now and like, she's a lot more open-minded. You know, she has my, I'm queer. My sister's a lesbian. So she has two queer kids. She's, she's learned to love her children, but does she still like, Say, so, oh, like in front of, oh, no, I, I support queer people. And then behind the closed doors, like say, ah, hold on, behind court. Yes, that still happens. Wow. You know, that still happens. So I, and now I'm saying what I'm saying from the diaspora, I'm saying like what's politically and socially acceptable and how they respond in public and then what they're saying behind closed doors. So I, I do have a little bit of resentment and I do have a little bit of trust issues because I wonder if they're nice to me and then some of them will be like, oh, in you know you know what i mean yeah i do i do i i am a little disconnected from like all that stuff though because i feel like i'm in austin like i do my own thing i really don't know about the like tvs and the america i i've never watched the persia's got talent and all that kind of stuff so when i'm talking about diaspora i just mean like real people that you're around and and that you communicate with online and most of my followers are within iran they're not in the diaspora I've gotten backlash from the diaspora about my lives, to be honest with you. Some of them have said, why do you talk to these people? They're like below you. They're not your class. Some people, because sometimes like they'll joke, they'll say like they'll have sexual jokes, you know, they'll they'll talk like, you know, like here we have comedians. A comedian could go on and make jokes, blah, blah, blah. Say Kuhn, K, whatever. Like it's funny. But Iranian, like there's some people that I go live with that make jokes that are funny, that speak very openly. They'll talk about sex or they'll talk about things. It's just like, you know, like you'll have like a Howard Stern moment. And I'm open-minded. But I'll be like, ain't she live with you've embarrassed yourself. What is this? I'm unfollowing you. I'm blocking you. Yeah, that's the diaspora. The Iranian people in Iran don't do that. That's the diaspora who's more, they're more judgmental than the people in Iran. Because frankly, they think they're better than the Iranians within Iran because they're here. These are truths that people may not even be aware of. But yes, like, Iranians here do think they're better than the Iranians within Iran. 
It's a fact. Let's just be honest. And they they find some of them find me con- contact like inchia masan. We're better than that. Oh masan ina Iran They showed like people in the streets. No, why can't they show that Iran is a poor country? Why do you want to create Iran as the Shah's like world? No, be real. But Iranian people here, unfortunately, they've taken this like whole like. Iranian mentality and it's like on steroids because now they're in countries of privilege where they can paint these narratives and and sometimes change history. I want to talk about comedians and the meme sites. So this is something that I had wanted to, I actually reached out to one of the meme site like leaders to talk about this because I feel like a lot of times, first of all, comedians make really homophobic jokes, really racist jokes, really like even the ones who grew up here. It's crazy. When they go into Persian, all of a sudden it becomes very like that kind of language is the first thing that comes out. And re- this happened like two weeks ago. And I called out one of the comedians who had made all these really homophobic jokes. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're our age. You grew up here. This is like the first thing you resort to. But a lot of these meme sites will, the, the first things that they post, they're very homophobic. They're really misogynistic. And again, I'll go on there and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why would you insult half of the population and like half, you know, all of us this way. This is ridiculous. And I thought that with the whole like Massa Amini thing, there was this kind of awakening (laughs) to the way that we talk and the way we, I'm seeing that we're slipping back into the same narrative as before. But have you noticed this? Have you, like the meme sites, for example? I can't read Farsi, so I- I, Even the English memes. But I will, I will say if I'm joking, like, and we're talking like derogatory I'm, you know, it's like if we're making jokes of queer people, like it's with someone who's queer themselves. It's different. Like, for example, here, if like, you know, someone who's African-American can use language that pe- people who aren't black can use. So within my community, I can joke with another queer person and we can be like, girl, you're letting, you know, blah, blah, blah. We can go into detail. We can be funny. We can say, girl, you're such a queen. You know, like, as opposed to a cisgender straight person would say, you're such a queen. That feels, that hits different, right? So there's, there are different passes within different communities. You know, not just in Iran, in general. I don't allow straight people to come in to be derogatory towards queer people, like in my lives, or if I'm trying to have a, a moment where we're being funny or being a bomb as a. As far as language and what's appropriate, you know, there's also differences in Iran. Like, for example, like the word shemale in American English is derogatory. But in Iran, trans some trans women call themselves shemales, and it's not. They say they use the word shemel, the English word. And I, at first I want to say, you know, don't use the sister, like you're derogatory. But then I was like, you know what? Like shemel literally got canceled like five years ago because like RuPaul was using it on the show. And that was a new thing. If this is how they're using it and this is where they're at and it's not derogatory to them now, who am I to bring over like, you know, this colonial, like, oh, I come from the white lands. Let me tell you how to act. No, like I... I know I pick my battles, but I've come to understand there's just differences of language. And I had to educate myself and realize that Iran's within Iran are not the same as Iranians here. We are two different cultures. We are not in any way the same. So I, if they're coming within Iran or this and that, I don't say I give them a pass. I try to I try to understand the difference. Now, if it's someone like what you said who lives here and they're making money off of ticket sales from people in the diaspora... And everyone knows better. Yeah, that that does become a question. Like, what are you really like? What are you promoting? We should not go to try to like cancel or like shun people. We should try to like talk and build culture together. And um, you know, 
I know some people aren't always happy with the decisions I make. I mean, I don't want to go into detail with it, but I know you have opinions on maybe something that I've done. And I, I respect your opinion. And I know you respected mine. And here we are. I think having, I think the first step is having the conversations. And then from there, figuring out like what, what feels right. And is everyone going to agree? Because not everyone's going to agree on everything, but there are, there are definitely um, conversations to be had. And the diaspora is still figuring out who they are. Here's another thing. I just want to tell you, if a kid is not 18 years old, they're not allowed to come in my life. Not because I'm saying anything inappropriate, unless, unless it's just me and them their parent is up and we're talking and maybe I'll close off the comments because I have children, you know, I, I come from a different place. And, you know, also I have to live between two cultures now. When I turn on my phone, I'm living in Iranian culture, I'm also living in what I have here. So I'm trying to find a way to honor and to exist in both. So it's a little bit more complicated. Maybe I have more rules and more this and that, but yeah, it's, it's still a balancing act. And I, I can't even say I figured it out. So I can only imagine like, you know, where we are as a culture and maybe this is, this is still a work in progress, but yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. Um, well, is there anything else that you want to, like I said, this has been my longest conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Is it really the longest? Yes, <laughs> for sure. And I have so many questions for you because I, yeah, I love to hear your perspective and, and it's been really interesting. Is there anything else that you, that we didn't get to that you'd like to talk about? No, I think, um, I think we spoke about a lot. You're filming a music video on Friday. The name of my track is called Kulucha. I know that's going to be like, what does that mean? But for me, like Kulucha is the cookie. But also, you know, like in American culture, when you have the peach emoji, it's for guys and girls. And I want Kulucha to be for anyone who's just fierce and fabulous and is serving, you know? And so in my video, we're going to have, we're going to have trans women. We're going to have queer guys. We're going to have everything just serving, being fabulous. And it's, it's going to be sexy. It's going to be campy. It's going to be fun. But yeah, that's one thing I love about being queer in the States. We have so much freedom. Like you can go to RuPaul. RuPaul can go on a show and say whatever she wants. And people are like, you know, I want to bring some of that to like Iranian culture. I want queer people to be able to be unapologetically queer. You know, I don't want just, if a guy can go on Persian music videos and have like hot girls, I want to be able to watch my Persian video and I want you to see me being hot and have hot like queer guys, have like hot trans women, have hot fabulous women of all sizes, um, all races. And I, I still want to have the same like rights and appreciation that, you know, cisgender Persian guys have. Absolutely. And where do people find you? Where can they see your music video? It's going to be on my Instagram. It probably will not be on any... <laughs> It probably won't be any on any channel. Um, unfortunately, their loss. Um, but yeah, YouTube, my Instagram, K Bonzan, yeah, K A Y V O N Z A N D. And I, I want to leave off with this. You made an interesting point about comedians and males. Um, males can make jokes and say things that are like you know, on like controversial and stuff, and get away with it in a running culture. But the moment a woman does, oh, bachi gendas. Then, then me in bachi in kuni in un. So like, no, like it's, I just want to put that in perspective. Like that's where I'm coming from. It's, it's because I know some people are going to say like, oh my God, like, why would you write us on Kulucha? Like, like, you know, that's like, I know some people are going to say that's like derogatory. Like, no, it's, this is, I am taking the narrative and I'm taking control of it. That's how I feel about it. You know, art is your product of your time and it's subjective. And I think, um, we need more females and queer people, you know, um, being able to take their sexuality and take the narrative for themselves, you know, because that is the one thing that is really just the injustice of the regime. It's like, 
you know, a, a guy can have a kid and they get divorced. He gets, you know, a, a guy can have an affair, but a woman, it's like, it's just so wrong. And I think um, we need American culture. And listen, I, I, I think music and pop and think is such a big marker of where you're at and where you're going. So many artists have paved the way for the social issues that we now have rights for. And it starts with the artist. It really does. And it starts with the entertainment industry. And that's why I mentioned, you know, the diaspora runs the entertainment industry because, hey, it is your responsibility also as a diaspora, as the people who are making the decisions on who's going to be on these TV stations, on these shows. I want to see queer people on these shows. I want to see queer music videos on these shows. Why is it always like, you know, the, these got girls and these guys, you know, it's like, it's not because the population is on there. We're definitely here. Maybe, maybe when we're at an equal playing field, then I will make a different video than about Kulucha or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But right now that feels, I'm a fighter and I feel like I want to fight. I'm tired of people like putting me down for my sexuality and from being a sexual being. Thank you so much for talking with me. I really enjoyed our conversation. And like I said, I could have asked 20 more questions, but I <laughs> I'll, I'll let you go. And um, so the video is coming out. Is it in Farsi? The song is in Farsi. Okay, yeah. awesome. And Sirus Cardone is directing it again, the same director. There has been nothing like it. I think because we have people who are Iranian who live here, they want it too. They want to see, you know, Iranian culture and pop culture, like everything being of the times. They want their current country to be of the times, let alone their music. So, I mean, this is like trivial compared to that, but... Thank you again. Thank you for talking yeah, with me. Yeah, thank you for we'll, having me. We'll link to all of Kayvon's things. You can watch the music video for TAS, which start, it, it looks like a um, a news report on one of those stations, but it turns into a lovely music video. So thank you so much for talking with me. And that is the end of the interview. Hope you enjoyed it. To get on our email list and be informed whenever we release new episodes, go to chaiinconversation.com with chai spelled C-H-A-I. There, you can also see our Persian language courses, including conversational Persian, reading and writing, and Persian poetry. And that's it for now. Until next time, this is Leila Shams of Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation. <laughs>